that 85% of your engine wear occurs at startup? Yes, that is correct. And this is where lower the friction comes in by putting a protective lubricating barrier on all moving parts. This now gives you full-time protection to make your engine last longer, run smoother, give you better performance, and improve fuel economy. People across the country are reporting some very exciting results. Go to lowerthefriction.com, place your order, and enter in promo code SOS to get 5% off of your order. That's lowerthefriction.com. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the weekly Secrets of Saturn live stream. I am Jason Lindgren, your host. We're actually not having a lot of folks on this week, so let me let me change my my upfront here. It's only Crow, Wayne, and myself this week to break down the document of choice. Let's see. I gotta move everybody around. Baldini is not here. So how's everybody doing? Hopefully well. Okay, and then let's let's move Crow right over to this little corner right here. He's got a corner all to himself. All right, here we go. All right, everybody. So I, I don't I don't see you streaming, dude. Uh he's he's streaming. It, it went streaming? up now. I should be streaming. Is this it's being there. a jerk face again. It likes it's, to be a jerk face. It has more of a delay than usual for some reason. Well, let me double check. Is everybody hearing our voices? Tell Can me in hear the. Us? Tell me in the chat room if so. I see the little 
Okay, they say loud and clear. Loud and I clear. See the okay. Yeah, I see the homepage logo. Nothing's running on my end. Restream looks good. Let me check here. Let me double check. Just make sure Let everybody's functioning. It. It, you know, I almost get the, the feeling they don't like us talking and are always jerking us around. Do you ever yeah, get that man, feeling? Yeah, man, it's been weird. All right, D-Live like says we, we good. We hear like. you. Okay, good, good, good. All right. You know what? I think I got the wrong link. Someone kicked me the link through Skype. I can do that. Let's get Crow the link. Okay. Live radio, everybody. That's the way it works. We'll do it live. We'll do it live. We'll do it live. We'll do it in post. What could possibly go wrong? (laughs) I heard somebody do a really funny mashup of Christian Bale screaming on a a movie set mixed with that Bill O'Reilly clip of him being a douchebag. It was was pretty funny. (laughs) It surprisingly went fairly well together. YouTube is not on, someone is saying. I got nothing on YouTube. Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. It's What's waiting for on? you to start. Yeah. All right, so D-Live's te- working and the tube is not. Yeah, chat's working, but the video is not playing. No, YouTube's working over here on my end, guys. Let, me, don't, let me check on my phone and see what we got. Sorry, guys. Let's, uh, let me take 30 seconds here and see what the hell is going on. How many people in the chat can see video running or they just see that? little planet looking thing well on my phone it's running youtube is good says jay armstrong let me okay Okay, so this is weird just just run with it i guess i can't believe it youtube isn't working right oh shucker all right (laughs) no it's got me blocked well, it's not showing up actually on my main screen. It says no data, which is very, very odd because Restream has data and showing my picture. DLive is totally fine. DLive is the one that usually is fine except for that one time. But anyway, all right. So I dropped a link in the chat rooms on, on YouTube and DLive for everybody. We are going over a document today called Mind, Society, and Behavior. And uh, what this is Wayne's pick this week. So, Wayne, why don't you give everybody a little background on what it is we're going to be going over here? All right. Well, uh, I found this lovely document dated from 2015 from the World Bank Group. And uh, Chapter 8 of this document, which we'll be going through tonight, talks about health and how to change the health behaviors of the public. Why would they have an interest in that, the World Bank? Hmm? Hmm. You, you got to wonder about these. You got to. You got to wonder. You got to wonder. The the World Bank. What interest do they have in your health? It's it's you know banking. They they, they do mortgages and stuff, right? Nah. Well, when you look at the word mortgage and realize it means death agreement, then yeah, I guess they kind of you know want to know a little something about people's health habits. So uh, anyway, that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna go through this here tonight, and we'll see how it lines up perfectly with things going on in society today and this was uh published back in 2015 so uh there's there's a lot of different sections uh to this particular document and uh it talks about basically uh ways that the uh, world bank group and their affiliates could socially engineer the public into different ways of behaving so that's what this whole document really pertains to it's all about psychology and uh how to manipulate the masses, pretty much. And it's out there in, you know, the open forum for anybody to find and look at. 
So it looks like YouTube did that goober thing where they duplicated my thing again. So I'm going to go find the other link and give it to everybody. Wayne, uh, go over this a little bit. Give me two seconds so I can I can find the right stream and make sure everybody's on the right page there. You know, okay. Wayne, you know, Wayne, while we were waiting for Jason and earlier today in between my endless transcript creation, um, I read through this and what I realized is like some parts are trying to act like, well, how can we get people to understand that a credit card loan would only cost them 2% interest and a payday loan would be like 45% interest. So they're framing it like these poor people need stupid, poor people need to understand um, that they're getting 45% interest when they could only have two. Of course, they're pushing the idea of having to have credit. The point is, is that everything in here that I've read could be reverse engineered. Half the things are acting like they want to help poor people or, you know, something like that. But everything in here could be used in the opposite direction. Absolutely. And that's kind of how they write things. They use that old alchemical principle of uh, uh, do it backwards, uh, you know, read it, read it backwards. So if, you, if you're looking at it, it's it's a backwards engineering of things is what they're looking at here as a, a blueprint here. So if you do kind of reverse order on these things, you could see how you could use this to steer people, even though uh, they try to make it look like, oh, we're just here to help. And, you know, it's in our best interest to make sure people are understanding these different ideas and and. You know, we can help them, that kind of thing. And this this is a good thing, and it's important that we do this. But uh, if you know a little something and learn how to read between the lines and understand uh, that all of these different types of documents and stuff are, are dual use, um, then you could see how they could use something like this to engineer uh, social behaviors. And I saw especially uh, relevant this chapter, Chapter 8, talking about health. So... Uh, well, uh, I'll just go ahead and read like the opening paragraph here until Jason gets back. Uh, We're good, actually. It did indeed oh, okay. make another duplicate. I don't know why it's doing that. The second week in a row it did that. That's I gotta look out weird. for that from now on. So apparently this is some glitch in the thing. I, even though I'm making the, the streams just as I always did, I don't know what's going on. But anyway, um, you can go ahead and read that, though. I just want to let everybody know. The, in the old one, I just got rid of it, so there's no more confusion. Everybody should be on this one. I saw the numbers jump up, and I just dropped it in the Skype thing here, too, Crow, if you need it. Yeah, I got it. Everything's working. Everything should be fine now. Um, at least I know now. Okay, this is an issue that i got to deal with. Definitely. And maybe yeah, well, we should just uh, talk amongst ourselves for a couple minutes till everybody gets on the stream here. Give well, them a couple have, minutes to yeah, add four, on. Four times the people watching. No. Yeah, we're up to 200. And, yeah, everybody's joining quick. I'm at 203 here and it's jumping up. So, all right. So we're good. Wayne, go ahead and uh, you, you can go ahead and do this, though, uh, while we're doing that. And then we'll I'll find the chapter we want to get into. Okay. And we'll give you a chance to catch up to us here, Jason. I'll start reading. Uh, I'll take your part this week in, in reading uh, just the beginning phase here. Uh, let's start up here. Chapter 8, Health. Every day people get sick, stay sick, or even die because of missed opportunities. Each year, 7.6 million children under the age of 5 die from avoidable causes. And then it cites the source there in parentheses. I won't bother to read that part. Um, in countries that suffer the greatest share of these deaths, the most effective interventions are almost all preventative or therapeutic measures that should be within the reach of most households and communities, including breastfeeding, vaccinations, 
assisted delivery. Got to get the vaccinations in there. <laughs> Oral rehydration therapy, water sanitation measures that do not require major investments in infrastructure, and insecticide-treated mosquito nets. What? Um, yeah. Wow. Make sure you wow. give your kids DDT to keep the flies away. <laughs> That's right. That's DDT what our doctor recommends. Great, Don't fret if their shells appear thin. <laughs> Doctors all over the world recommend DDT. <laughs> and yeah, that's that's not a, a far cry from how it really was uh, pushed back in the early days. My doctor uh, recommends a Lucky Strike because it's smooth on the throat. Yes. Well, there was actually a brand of cigarettes. I'm trying to remember what it was called, but uh, they recommended for pregnant women to smoke because <laughs> they were smoother or something. <laughs> it's toasted. It's toasted, yeah. It's toasted. Wasn't that Gerber? <laughs> yeah, probably. Maybe. I don't know, man. Get them early, get them long. Anyway. All right, so I'm at... Did you find that... Yeah, I, I'm find... good, yeah. Yeah, I am good. Okay. And, uh, I did the opening paragraph. I'll let Jason do the reading. He's all right, much yep, more so here we are. Man. Health outcomes can be improved by applying the insights from behavioral economics and related fields. Individuals have limited attention and act on the basis of what is salient. Individuals intrinsically value social approval, masks, 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 and adherence to social norms, more masks, social distancing. And individuals have many frames or mental models through which they can interpret a situation. Wow, are they herding cattle or are they talking about people? Or are they talking about both? Who knows? <laughs> They've only got one Overton window, so they got to frame it how they got to frame it. <laughs> Telling yeah, people, make sure you're wearing two masks, folks. <laughs> I, at least, at least. I, I saw a dude wearing two masks. Did, no, you, la- did you point and laugh oh, and be like, look at the idiot? I felt bad, man. His glasses were steaming up. It's like brother it's no way to live i wanted to say something i just kept my mouth shut <laughs> i don't even know what to say about that i just i can't believe people are falling for this telling people that there's a way to improve their health is rarely sufficient to change behavior in general successful health promotion campaigns engage people emotionally and activate or change social norms as much as they provide information okay so i think we just hit at the heart of the matter already didn't we gentlemen <laughs> right in the there opening salvo here yep how to engineer the society. So this is the Bernays technique, by the way. Let's just make sure we talk about Eddie. Uh, absolutely. Edward Bernays knew that if you target an emotion with the subject matter and tie those together, you're going to have a considerably larger grade of uh, greater chance of success. The message disseminated should be that others will support you or even applaud you if you do it, not just that something is good for you. Oh, okay. So gold star for everybody. <laughs> Successful Ooh, campaign. Remember, folks, this is the World Bank. This this is one of the biggest globalist organizations that exist. And they are literally saying how to patronize people to do what you want. Just, just so you know how they view us. It, it, essentially, yeah. That's exactly what this <laughs> and, is. And, and am I exaggerating? I know I'm being snarky, but am I exaggerating? Or are they literally talking about this is how you get these retards to do what you want? No, that's essentially what they're saying uh, in in a nutshell. That, that's what it is, exactly. And uh, even though you are snarky about it, uh, rightly so, because that's kind of, uh, you know, the opinion they have of us. They think of us he, as little more than cattle. He's not being snarky enough in the opening part of this document. They open by saying, currently we're wrestling with Ebola. So 
be more snarky. These rat bastards know exactly what they're doing and Ebola does not exist. Successful campaigns address many or most of the following. Information, performance, problem solving, social support, materials, and media. Now, do we want to break that sentence down? Because we just saw all that for a year now. Absolutely, especially the media part of it. <laughs> oh, the media, uh, they could not have done what they did without the media. They nope. absolutely could not. Nope. Have, you want to know the or, biggest or, traitors or the right movies. now? You're looking at it every time you turn on the damn television or pick up a newspaper. Those are some of the biggest traitors in this world. Well, let's do a rundown from big blockbuster Hollywood movies created from, say, let's say 2015 forward of people uh, in a situation where they've had to cover their face. Let's see. The sequel to Blade Runner, they have to, they're always covering their face with like those turtleneck things. Um, of course, this all starts all the way back with uh, Bane from Batman. Uh, it goes on and on and on. I was doing a count the other day and I easily got up to 10 uh, where they were introducing something so that you couldn't see the face of people so that you could get normalized um, to the idea of not seeing a face. Yeah. Now, granted, Bane was a character around since the 80s, but uh, he wasn't the most exciting character to choose. And that out of the three Nolan Batman movies, that one was fucking boring, considering well, like, the, the first two were really reason, good. Yeah. The reason I said that is because at first the masks look one way and now it's like for the idiotic, a fashion statement. And it looks like that Bane thing. It goes from right under their eyes, right up to the edge. You know, it looks like a, a muzzle. Yeah. And that's exactly yeah, what it's designed to be. So They've got and, those ones that look like uh, Cobra soldiers from G.I. Joe being really fashionable. Cobra! Cobra! You will all wear your masks in allegiance to Cobra! All right. A campaign should tell people that a behavior will improve their health. Demonstrate, which is information. Demonstrate and model the behavior, which is performance. Reduce barriers to its adoption problem solving, create a system for supporting people who choose to adopt it, social support, provide the materials necessary to begin adoption, which is materials, and provide a background of support through in-person, print, radio, television, and other approaches. The lying scum fuck media. So yep. this was 2015, and uh, I'm sure they had things in mind way before that, but there you go, guys. This is everything that they just did to us the past year in this freaking little document right here. Well, part, part of the in-between the lines was it said, start producing masks now because you got to give the materials, right? That's what it says right there. You've got to provide the necessary materials. Yep. And, you know, the, while, while they were out of them for a short period of time, it really didn't take very long till I saw them piled high in Walmart and, and the like. That was a scarcity ploy, though, because yeah. I watched that go down, too. Yeah. That's what they're doing with the, uh, the inoculation right now. Um, South Park is about to run a special uh, because they're shills. Um, and what they're going to do is make fun and use comedy to try to blunt the fact that they are shills, but they're going to push the scarcity thing. Uh, you know, oh, here's a 75-year-old lady going to the front of the line, getting the shot when all us young people need it. Um, it's ridiculous, uh, utterly ridiculous, that an adult mind would even be swayed one way or the other by this nonsense. But they will be. Oh, absolutely. I think more adults watch these uh, different types of cartoons and stuff than, than kids do, especially those ones that are geared more towards 
um, what I guess we would call in society an adult, even though it's, you know, maybe sixth grade level uh, stuff that they're pushing all the time. Young adults. Uh, it, the, the Rick the and Morty kind of thing. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's, that's the problem. They, Family Guy made fun of it not too long ago well, when they said, why would anyone watch Family Guy? Um, and they <laughs> said, because people who grew up in the 80s never grew up and they're still watching cartoons. It's the truth. Uh, when, when we were young, cartoons came on for three or four hours Saturday morning for children. The only other place you saw them predominantly was a couple clips of Chili Willy before a drive-in movie. Other than that, cartoons didn't hold a lot of sway in our world. You know, that's interesting that, that, that that's being pointed out because here's the thing. Like in the 60s and 70s, yeah, there are cartoons and there are plenty of them. But a lot of them were higher quality made. Things like uh, Warner Brothers, the Bugs Bunny and all that. And uh, the, the older Tom and Jerry's were, were really well done as far as the artwork and all that. But in the 80s is when you really start seeing the mass market. That's when they figured out you can make toys and Join it together with a TV show and you will sell a gazillion more toys. Great examples, G.I. Joe and Transformers. But they did it with a whole shitload of stuff. They did it for little girls and little boys. They really figured that stuff out. And and then you had the after-school cartoon block. It wasn't just Saturday morning anymore. That was later. That was up into the 80s. That didn't really go on too much in the 70s. And it was like whenever they would do a movie that was animated, it was like something unusual. Everyone's, oh, wow, we got to see this. It's And the quality level see... was good, too. Yeah. Um, well, it was all hand-drawn, among other things. But, uh, I mean, look where we are now. We got to Ren and Stimpy, and now it's just commonplace like on that. What's that channel that does adult movies or adult cartoons? Adult Swim. Adult the, Swim. It's Cartoon Swim. Network, but it's Adult Swim. Look at I, the quality of what they're doing there. I that's mean, actually one of the big things that turned me off to so much of that stuff and why I never saw for the longest time. The only right. thing that ever turned me on to Rick and Morty was you. I couldn't stand the animation. And to this day, I still think it's kind of cheap and gross. But because you kept referencing it and I finally watched it, I ended up thinking it was funny. But yeah, you're absolutely right. Like in the 90s, remember you and I have talked about this a lot, even in older episodes, I remember us talking about this, how in the 80s you had better animation. It was kind of still kind of drawing from a lot of the the Japanese kind of style. And then it turned into that look like rickety, barely drawn crap that really kicked off big time in the 90s and then all the way up to today where it's just this very twisted kind of sick weirdo fantasy looking shit. Yeah, it's well, or or what they run on Adult Swim, which someone in junior high school could draw uh, with no art talent. It's ridiculous. And by the way, Rick and Morty jumped the shark in about season two or three. Three was good. Four really didn't feel right to me. Like, because uh... it's too popular, so now it's going to get co-opted a little more tightly. It was doing what it was doing, um, but it wasn't a proven. After season one, it was already the writing was on the wall um, because it became so popular so quick. The writing itself, though, like it still had a a, a running storyline that worked, and I thought it was good for what it well, was could, anyway. But yeah, yeah well, four just felt really awkward. It just the first episode, eh, it kind of fit in with the older stuff. But then as as that season went on, I only watched those once, which is unusual. I watched the uh, the other ones a couple of times because they were I actually thought they were funny. Well, they were telling, you know, the early ones were telling you things that were true uh, in in an offhand way, um, like their little episode about, uh, what is it, Baby Rick and the, the vampires there. They're telling you yeah. things that are true about our world. 
Um, and you know, when anything gets popular, that means more eyes. It means it's going to get co-opted. Are you doing uh, a bit? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep, they're all doing a bit. <laughs> Coach and, and where the joke. That's right, Coach Ferratu. What about the one where they were uh, glitching out the the universe around them and they were making fun of everything? They put poking us in the eye with that. That was the one that finally, you said that multiple times in some older episodes that finally got me. I was like, all right, I want to see what the hell you're talking about. That was all about Apple. Um, that was a shot at Apple computers that almost nobody got. And it's also a brief look into what can be done and what is about to be done. Um, but if you recall... Uh, the one dude, Rick's son-in-law that he hates, was trying to sell apples. Got apples or something like yep, that. Yep, yep, yep. But in the end, they're flying back in a little, after they blow the place up, um, they're flying back in a little apple-shaped thing. And I think they even draw an apple on the window. <laughs> uh, that was all about Apple computing. Oh, human music. And they even showed they even showed the rendering of the, the fake rendering of the moon launch was included, or the moon landing was included in that episode. They told you true things back back then. Now they're just talking about toilets. Right. Yep. Big difference. Cause that's because Tavistock walked in and said, oh, we got to get some shit in everyone's heads. Ironically, too, episode. once they signed for, um, oh, how many episodes did they sign up for? Like 70 or something like that it was some some huge block that they signed a deal for. Or I think it's it was ironic. It's ironic considering they just ripped off uh, Back to the Future. At the base. That's what made me not want to watch the show. I, I, I looked, I was like, so they copied Back to the Future and made it stupid? I don't want to watch this. Anyhow, we're, anyway. we're getting off point here. Yeah, well, I never yeah. never watched an episode of that show yet. Good so. for you. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'll have to check it out just to just see. Just the early stuff is good. Just about. have a cigarette instead. <laughs> <laughs> I don't do that either. Put on some human music. An example wait, of a wait, campaign. Wait till you get to snake jazz. <laughs> snake jazz. Okay. See what I'm it does saying? Ha- it does have it. some good jokes in there. I'll, I'll give them that. Jump the shark. Jump the shark totally. An example of a campaign that pulled together these elements occurred in Bangladesh. In 2006, more than 75% of urban dwellers and 60% of rural residents used oral rehydration salts as a treatment for diarrhea. Thanks to a public public health campaign. But in addition, public health officials wanted people to use zinc, which was widely available and cheap, together with the oral rehydration salts, and a major campaign was introduced to increase the use of zinc as a supplement for infants, which greatly increases the rate of survival in cases of severe diarrhea. Officials mounted a campaign that included direct marketing, which were painted dinner plates, community engagement and social support, which were courtyard meetings, and role-playing, which included plays, radio dramas, and television serials, as well as public displays like branded rickshaws. As a result of this campaign, knowledge about the use of zinc increased from almost zero to more than 75%. So, so do you see the hypocrisy here? This is the World Bank that's backing this. And what you're talking about is unclean water, poor sanitation, basically. Uh, do you suppose the World Bank could afford to put a toilet in everybody's, even villages, um, without even fractionally denting what they're worth? And yet what they're interested in is socially engineering people to take zinc. Um, and I don't know that much about zinc, but I'm guessing if I looked into it, I might be able to find nefarious 
ideas why this is their the thing they're pushing for. But they're also everything they're pointing out here, even if they were on the up and up and they were concerned with babies dying of diarrhea and this was their solution. Anyone with a black mind could just flip this backwards and reverse engineer it to do the exact same thing in a horrible way. Well, what you're saying, I mean, holds merit because think about this. If they had the money to put into these direct marketing campaigns, painting dinner plates, community engagement, social support meetings, role modeling in plays, radio dramas and television, that's social programming right there. That's what we were just talking about. They put it in the entertainment as well as public displays like branded rickshaws. Now, have you seen any buses with pictures of people with masks on going up the road? <laughs> well, well, here, here's a brilliant idea. idea. Why didn't well, they did just you, give people zinc instead of spending you, money on all this shit? <laughs> did you catch their underhanded acronym with their little world of the ocean, the sea? Um, the oral rehydration salts are ores, you know, like you <laughs> use on a dinghy. Yeah. They just they can't help themselves. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Like it, it, they could afford to put sanitation, like toilets and, and, and clean and, water. And That's clean the other water one that always yeah, it always kicks my butt um, when whenever they're making a big to do. These people don't have clean water. It's like, oh my, you know, what would it be like? Me pulling a penny out of my pocket uh, to make sure everyone in an entire country had clean water. That's would be the equivalent of the World Bank ponying up. You know, this is exactly what went on in the early 20th century, too. What changed everything? Sanitation. Yeah. And maybe there's a reason that they like to keep these places, uh, you know, in that kind of a, a shape. Because then they could look back and cite these numbers of disease and illness and that kind of thing. Which is part and parcel of what goes on when you're living in unsanitary conditions like that. And then use that to promote, I would say, whatever kind of a campaign you want to. Um, and I think that that plays a part in it, too, because you could see they're throwing money at it in doing this, uh, putting on these uh, different entertainment type things and, and doing this uh, branding direct marketing campaign like they're doing with it. So if that's the thing, if, if they're actually putting money to do that, wouldn't it be money better spent to actually put in the facilities uh, that these people need rather than trying to socially engineer them in a certain direction? get this Wayne. so i just googled zinc dangers mm-hmm. yes this is the top return in a google return with four million one hundred thousand results um yes if you get too much can can zinc be dangerous yes if you get too much signs of too much zinc include nausea vomiting loss of appetite stomach cramps diarrhea so they're <laughs> issuing the diarrhea <laughs> the diarrhea oh my i'm not even gonna do this i'm just oh, saying goodness. man crazy all right the next section is enhancing the use of mass media well they definitely figured that shit out three examples of mass media illustrate the dual challenge of changing individuals beliefs and their health behaviors the examples relate to breastfeeding smoking and hiv testing breastfeeding is one of the least expensive strategies for improving the health of young children Many mass media campaigns have encouraged breastfeeding. Evaluation of seven campaigns in developed countries found that they increased rates of initiating breastfeeding among poor women. No mass media campaigns in developing countries have been systematically evaluated, but the available information suggests that they can work when paired with local efforts that involved direct and proactive interactions with women and their social networks. 
Mass media campaigns have frequently been used to reduce smoking rates. Such campaigns have been extensively studied and evaluated in developed countries, mostly the United States, where variation in campaigns across states can be used to measure impact. These campaigns have been most effective at preventing young people from taking up smoking and in supporting individuals who have already quit smoking. Using community members such as teachers and parents to deliver messages and extending the campaigns over a long period, at least 12 months, increase their success. However, oh, at least 12 months, huh? Sounds about where we're at. However, the reviews find no evidence that the campaign the campaigns led smokers to quit smoking or change the social norms of smoking. Hmm. So this is 2015 and they're acting like they're hitting on something new when in fact the reason so many people smoke in this country is because of Edward Bernays and Hollywood. Hmm. Uh, if you go back to the 40s and 50s, I defy you to find two scenes back to back where someone's not smoking. And I'm talking the main character, but it's ironic. How James Bond used to smoke. <laughs> Everyone did. Bogey, Bacall, before Bond, in that era before that, um, it was completely normalized. And there's actually ads where they have doctors recommending on TV that you smoke and that there's no connection to lung cancer or any of these other things. But they open this whole uh, use of media by pointing out that HIV testing is one of the things they're interested in. HIV doesn't exist unless you're magic like Johnson. Um, other than that, it doesn't exist. So you can see where this is coming from, and you can see where it's going. Absolutely, not to mention the fact that they completely contradict themselves right there at the end of the paragraph. Up, up at the top, they're talking about uh, how this ca these campaigns have been most effective at preventing young people from taking up smoking and blah, 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 blah. And then down here it says... Uh, however, the reviews find no evidence that the campaigns led smokers to quit smoking or change the social norms of smoking. So... Uh, it yeah, hasn't changed get them, the social get them while they're young. That's the message, right? Yeah, and it, it does say up here that it, it prevented young people from taking up smoking, but I would take argument up with that, umbrage up with that. All they did was redirect them to something new, the whole vape, vape. phenomenon, yep. right? And uh, that, that has to do probably with uh, the changing hands of, uh, of the money from uh, the old tobacco uh, purveyors to uh, whoever is producing... Uh, these devices and the uh, cartridges for them. Uh, so it's just kind of shifting up uh, who's the beneficiary at the top of this. It's not going to be your old uh, um, R.J. Reynolds and those type places that are benefiting. It's, you know, some other uh, probably subgroup of these same companies just to kind of throw people off the off the track. Uh, hey, guys, but... cover me for a minute. My daughter apparently just cut her hand. I'll be right back. All right. Ooh, that's not good. Um, okay. Maybe, maybe anyway, we should, maybe we should jump in to uh, find out what mass media has to do with fake HIV testing. <laughs> yeah, let's read on. I'll pick up right where Jason left off. Similarly, a review of over 20 mass media campaigns to encourage HIV testing finds no long-term effects after the campaigns ended. In many cases, however... There are short-term effects in the case of HIV testing. Even short-term effects are socially important. Social, what does that mean, socially important? That has, there's, there's no signifying language there that is acting like there's an outcome, which is the only thing that would matter if we were talking about a disease. So they're talking about engineering, and that's it. That's essentially all it is. I mean, uh, that's kind of a nebulous type of a description. It's socially important. Well, how so? 
Uh, please define to, that. To what makes who? something socially important? To what part yeah. of society? <laughs> yeah. The, the upper one half of 1%. Yeah, but uh, if you just take HIV out of there and replace the the word HIV with COVID, then, you know, um, you could kind of see where this is going. But anyway, let's get to the next uh, paragraph here. A review of the published literature evaluating all the types of mass media campaigns for health echoes these findings. The campaigns effectively promote positive behaviors and prevent negative behaviors only when the campaigns are paired with local efforts to support the desired behavior change. Most campaigns are too short in duration, and some even backfire. For instance, a recent U.S. anti-drug campaign targeting youth may have unintentionally increased drug use by suggesting that it was commonplace. Teens took this message to mean that it was acceptable among their peers. (laughs) (laughs) Too bad they didn't know what they were doing, huh, Wayne? The health information was ignored, but not the information about the social norm. (laughs) See how they get that in there? There That's important. That's the programming tool, uh, you know, appealing to the social norm. Uh, That's what they do. They, they, you know, they know that some of these messages uh, will backfire if they admit it up there but guess what i think that they realize and they know which ones are going to backfire and exactly why uh it's the same thing with the uh, stop the bullying nonsense that they they push all over the place now have you seen that where uh, right. you know the anti-bullying thing same thing it leads to more bullying <laughs> like well it's, what, it's what makes all this laughable is this is 2015 um so we're basically you know five six years ago they could run digital models on any of this and get a 98 or a 99 accurate prediction rate, percent um, prediction rate. So this is, I, I don't even know what to call this. Um, it's, it's unneeded for the purpose they're trying to make it seem like it's needed. Um, but on the, on the face of it, every one of these things could be put to use for terrible ends, which, I mean, they kind of just did with their little drug thing. They got more teenagers to use drugs, I guess, with one of their campaigns. Right. And that's the thing. I mean, when you you look at this and realize that uh, all of these different things are dual use and it's written right into their blueprint here. That's what this is. It's a blueprint. This is how we do it. These are the steps that we take to roll out uh, this uh, social change that we want to put. This is the definition of social engineering. And this is geared towards people like the health policies, of people and affecting the health uh, of the public at large. And and that's what this is directed for. This is socially engineering the health outcomes of the public. And uh, this is all intended to steer everybody into the, uh, the whole digital uh, type era with their healthcare information. Uh, It's coming. I mean, it's, it's going to be, you know, your biometric data all collected on a blockchain utility tied directly to your bank account, tied to your social credit score. And that's coming too. I mean, it's been ported out uh, over in Australia and uh, it's, it's rolling out heavily in China and uh, it's only a matter of time before it hits us over here in the U S. Yeah. (sighs) Everything. Okay. Yeah, I just had to make sure there's no glass in her hand and all that. It wasn't too, too bad. Um, where do we leave off here, guys? Mass media. 
Right column, second paragraph. Mass media, yes. Right, right above the blue words. Okay. Mass media campaigns on health do not appear to be useful in changing mistaken mental models of illness because the message is filtered through the model itself. For example, over a third of poor women in India believe that increasing fluid intake for children with diarrhea makes them sicker. They which, which actually which actually might be true if it's the actual water they're drinking that's making them sick in the first place, I would point out. Well, yeah, it'd be helpful if they clarified their point, isn't it? Yep. They follow a model in which diarrhea is interpreted as leaking, since more fluid means more leaking and must be bad. With such a mental model, the message that ORS helps children survive diarrhea may fall on deaf ears, since, according to that model, ORS only increases leaking. It does not decrease it. What, what, is, what does that even mean? Is, are they just echoing what I just read off Google, that zinc makes diarrhea worse if you take too much? And that could be. And uh, actually, if you look at this, this is like really insulting to the people they're talking about. Oh, these people are so dumb. They think that giving a baby water makes them have diarrhea. That's that. What's that? That's what they're implying there. That's well, what they think of us. Their leaking model doesn't work either, because if no. a thing is leaking, you would seek to replace what's leaked out. So, I mean, it's yeah, it's insulting. Yeah, that's absolutely. So they're saying these these poor backwards people, they don't know what's good for them. We need to instill in their brains uh, what's good for them. These dummies, they don't know that if you wear a mask, you'll be safe from the COVIDs. <laughs> they need their zinc processed by Johnson & Johnson. <laughs> but it does cost tears. I know. <laughs> Okay, let's continue on here. One opportunity for tackling mental models can come from the juxtaposition of well-known moral or valuable members of society and misunderstood illnesses or stigmatized individuals. So let's get The Rock to be a dipshit and come on a commercial and say, wear a mask, people, because I'm The Rock. Yeah, all of them. Snoop Dogg, Tom Cruise, George Clooney, they're all shills. And now they're doing the worst thing I've seen in a long time, with this wellness thing that's supposed to go on the side of your business. They've got all their little A-listers out shilling for that. That is maybe two steps away from a Fahrenheit 450, you know, 451 world. Uh, it's unbelievable what, what I don't know. They got a slick logo and they, they get their De Niro's and other people, J-Lo's to come out and say, oh, you know, you want to feel safe in here? It's just, it's, be, it's gone beyond ridiculous. I can't imagine that this is going to hold up, but if it does, you know what? Maybe we are monkeys and we need to be <laughs> pruned back or something. I don't know. Well, here, here's the thing. The states, this, this is a fact. You can look this up. Not that anybody here needs convincing, but the states that haven't had mask mandates and haven't been going bananas shutting everything down compared to the states that have been absolute insane, over-the-top ridiculous, uh, there's no difference. There's there's no there's no difference. There's 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 no massive illness going on. There just there just isn't, and that's that. Well, there, well, there's if you want to be real, there's no massive illness in either place. That's what um, I'm saying. There just there's there's yeah. nothing. There there is no massive illness going you, on. You know you know our common friend, of course. So he's good friends with a doctor, in a very rich county, in our country, one of the top rich counties, and so. 
he gets sick the other day for about a day and then he's over it and he's buds with his doctor. So his doctor tests him and says, yep, you're positive. So he asks him, well, what do you do about that? He says, nothing. <laughs> and so, so I said, yeah, go ahead and get tested again in two days and you won't have it. Then get tested in two more and you will have it. <laughs> but Maybe. on top of you, you that, might. he asked. He, he asked his doctor how many people were in the hospital for COVID, and he said one. <laughs> <laughs> because, insane, you know, we have man. to shut everything down because of that one person. Everything. I think it's wearing thin, but I would point out that the places that went Nazi with the masks, that was primarily due to the people that lived there. Um, not so much the... Uh, the governance or, or the police in some places that's not true in some places well that's that's like the united california, states yeah in california they were they were trying to do a show of force um here and there but in most people most places here for me the worst kind of things i've had to deal with have come just from other people luckily i i'm me and you know i look them in the eye like yeah well you want to dance i mean what you're not my mom you're not my dad now, to be fair, California wants to put people in jail for not using the proper pronouns on your Twitter account. <laughs> Good luck with California, that. California, the land of the insane, I'll tell you. All right. Uh, so, yeah, just to make it really clear, folks, there is no mass illness going on. Crow and I have spoken to multiple medical professionals who work in hospitals, and they all said the same damn thing. Yes, there seems to be some kind of respiratory illness, but no, it's not a crisis in any way, shape, or form, and there's no justification for shutting anything down. That is, that is even, the exact same thing it they even all gets said. Worse. It even gets worse, Jason, because at one point, and this was a conversation I was sent um, between a doctor and another person, um, it was recorded. Uh, he, his claim was that part of this was to literally call obese and old people uh, because Blue Cross, Blue Shield, and these types of insurers were just overwhelmed with the number of people they'd made sick over the years with all their pharmaceuticals, uh, and the system was just going to collapse under its own weight. Um, and he went on to say it looks like it was a pretty effective campaign. I hadn't really considered that, but I did know that most of the death number, like I personally know a family that I've known a long time here, a member of their family had been struggling on death's door for like three years. Well, he passed away two weeks ago. So I picked up the paper and brought it in and I noticed his obituary and it said he died of COVID. <laughs> that that's been the majority of what's gone on here is old people with heart disease are passing away and the added stress to what they've done and the isolation and you know all the things that came with the lockdown that just make life miserable uh, for people who are in dire straits in the first place it multiplies the hell out of things um, but that's where the the I think the majority of their numbers have come just from older people that were having a tough time to start with yeah, and then you got to consider the fact that the flu doesn't exist anymore. There were 17 cases. There is no cases. flu, only COVID. There, there were 17 cases of the flu reported last week as compared to over 15,600 the previous year. Oh, that's so, that's 17 that's close. Yeah, nothing going on there. Well, you know what it is. It's because everybody's wearing masks and social distancing. So, <laughs> so we should do that yeah. forever, right? Uh, yeah, that's, the, that's what they're talking about next. They, they're they cheap, they're already... Great. Mitigation already, strategy right there. 
they're already queuing up forever here in the state of Rhode Island. Um, they ran a spot on TV the other night saying people are wanting to know how long they're good for if they get both vaccines. So then they inform you that if you have both vaccines, uh, you're good for three months. And if you come in contact with someone, you don't have to quarantine. But after that three months, you're no longer good anymore, implying that you're going to need more shots after you've already had to. Um, so that's they're they're already floating this idea around. And actually, I, I read parts of this document we're in here, Wayne. I did a vaccination search through the document. Uh, mm -hmm. And it's very telling, too, because what they were concerned with is how many people think that vaccinations will make you sterile was one of yep. the things that are addressing in here. Yep, -er. Uh, anyway, I think we should probably get back to the document where we left off because we're getting low on time already. So. Oh, no, we got an hour yet. Okay. I started late, remember? That's right. <laughs> I forgot <laughs> only, we started Only half late. an hour, but, you know. That okay. means I got to stay up late, Jason? What the hell? No, yeah, you don't have to. We can just we can just get through this and maybe call it early night. But I'm sure everyone will complain at us if we do. I <laughs> no, so. we'll hang in there for the whole time. We got plenty more to discuss here. I got to launch an episode, so you do have to launch an episode. And I'm not going to get back to my spot. I just uh, closed out my document by accident. <laughs> so uh, tonight, by the way, everyone is episode 300, where uh, Crow and I start explaining how things really worked from Rome and becoming the Vatican. And we, we paint the picture by giving you the timeline like we always do, how things went from the beginning all the way up to eh, 1500s-ish, I guess, is about where we, where we probably stopped. But uh, we're going to break that up into two parts. There's going to be a second part to that because there's just so much when you're talking about Rome and the Vatican and all that. Uh, there's just It's insane just how much there is. Crow, what do you think? I think we should roll on with Wayne. Uh, yeah, everything you just said is true. That's what I think. But uh, <laughs> we're on 147, last paragraph, right column. Page 147. Let me get back there. Oh, I'm looking forward to that episode. Can't wait to hear what you guys uh, dug up. It's a bond. That. It's a bond burner. Yeah. <laughs> so why can't I get back to the right page? Oh, here it is. All right. So think of I'm gonna I'm gonna set this next part up. Think of Tom Hanks on this next section. <laughs> and I lost my place though. I'm trying to find it. Here we are. For example, media coverage of celebrity mild medical diagnoses increases screening and can stimulate interest in behavior change. So go to Greece and talk about how you and your wife have the beer bug. In 2011, for example, former Brazilian President Lula da Silva publicly discussed his throat cancer, which he attributed to his long-held smoking habit. His frank discussion of the illness and his own role in causing it was widely covered in the media. Following his announcement, interest in quitting smoking reached unprecedented levels, and Brazil passed new anti-smoking laws. Huh. Interesting. So, so what you just read explains to you verbatim why when celebrities die or anything else goes wrong with a celebrity, it's coast to coast every time for the exact same reason that they're citing here because it works. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, how many celebrities did they roll out during this whole thing? Oh, this one's got it. This one's got it. That one's got it. This one almost died with it. You know, all, all of they, that. Well, they're even fake killing them just to get more of their death in. And by the way, Wesley Snipes went to fake jail for a fake one million dollar fake IRS bill. Remember <laughs> that? Took him right off the plane uh, to to put the fear of God into a thing that you don't have to do. All right, so Google searches in Brazil were 71% higher even four weeks after the announcement, long after the media had stopped covering Lula's diagnosis. According to one of the authors, Lula's announced cancer diagnosis, though tragic, was potentially the greatest smoking cessation promoting event in Brazilian history. You know, if you go over to Europe and, and a lot of these Central and South American countries, I'd swear that they're in a baby carriage with a cigarette in their hand sometimes, that they're like really, really into their smoking. And you got to wonder how much of that was due to the uh, the cigarette companies and what, what they can, how they can run rampant with their advertising and, and propaganda campaigns. Next, we have social learning about healthcare quality. Ah, social engineering. People learn about the quality of healthcare from each other. Typically, if an individual visits a new doctor and is cured, oh, cured, huh? The word spreads and the doctor's reputation improves. But what happens when the individual visits a new doctor and does not get the medicine that was sought? Antibiotics or steroids, for example. Sometimes households will take the event as evidence that the doctor is not responsive to the patient's needs or does not stock the necessary medicines, rather than that the doctor knows what is best for the patient and is determined to provide the best possible care. When None people... of that makes any damn sense at all. <laughs> First of all, the doctor isn't the pharmacy. The right. pharmacy stock. Uh, just go ahead, man. It's complete. It's mumbo jumbo. This is word salad almost, this this whole thing. like It's, it's all just... Do the other bankers sit around and go, oh, yes, 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 of course. <laughs> Give me a brandy and a cigar. When people Arum. learn from one another, they may all end up holding the correct beliefs, or they may all end up mistaken. <clears throat> yeah, um, not everyone's a complete <laughs> retard. Sorry. All right. For example, if a person receives a referral by one doctor to visit another doctor, households take that as a signal to avoid the referring practitioner and visit only the referred practitioner. That's bullshit. That's nonsense. (laughs) Why does it even matter where we live? Because you can't go see anyone unless you're referred. Well, you're in a network, so it it is what it is, and you get who you get. That's right. You don't choose anymore. Very rarely. It's kind of like politics. This behavior prevents people from learning the underlying relationships between the practice of referral and health outcomes. Because households avoid doctors who refer their patients. What? They do not learn <laughs> that these provide that those providers are actually better than the ones who refer, refuse to re- refer their patients. That's... It's complete. That's horseshit. I mean, it's come just... on. They're they're trying to justify them referring their patients to a specialist. Yeah, Uh, they're saying because they know their limitations, they'll refer these people to a specialist. So that's better health care. That's what they're trying to claim there. (laughs) It's nonsense, though. Evidence from multiple studies of rural African households shows that people seek to match their illness to the most appropriate health care provider. Yeah, that's called common sense. (laughs) My toe hurts. I think I'll go get my eyes checked. Yeah, I don't feel good. Will this battery acid help? 
When a new option or a new doctor becomes available, they are particularly interested to hear about others' experiences. They are more likely to visit a doctor when someone in their close community has recently visited that provider and had a good outcome. Okay. By following this simple process of updating expectations in the face of the unknown, households in Tanzania made better decisions over time and visited better doctors as objectively measured by medical experts. Let me get this straight. Just to use their example, the country of Tanzania doesn't hold their doctors to a standard? No. That this see, is an issue the in the first place. They visited better doctors, you know, as measured by medical experts. So the well, doctors. Uh, they visited the better doctors, says the doctors. If they're in Tanzania, I think the witch doctor was one of their options. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding. I mean, real that tradition. That could be. Yeah. yeah. yeah talking true. Tanzania here. <laughs> true enough. The process of social learning, though, even when it is useful, can be very slow. For example, it took between three and four years for communities to learn whether new doctors in their area gave good or bad advice. Unlike information about how to improve their health, which is often ignored, information that aids households in seeking the best available care based on realistic assessments of the capabilities and quality of the facilities from which households can choose is likely to be very useful because households are already seeking this information. Better information could help them make better decisions more quickly. Well, duh. God. It's like, <laughs> what is this, just some buffer words <laughs> this is like uh you know a sixth grader who had to write a term paper or something quick and <laughs> decided to just fill the gaps with just word salad that's what it is the trillionaires <laughs> need to read something i'll just take yes. one one line of information and fill the rest out yep we'll turn it into the you know just word salad eight chapters uh, should be good add to it <laughs> <laughs> Psychological and social approaches to changing health behavior. Oh, here we go. Even after people accept information, they do not always act on it. The zinc campaign discussed earlier succeeded in educating 75% of Bangladeshis. But two years after the program, zinc was used in only 35% of the indicated cases. Although there are many models of health behavior, an assumption common to most is that people carefully weigh the benefits and barriers to adoption against their susceptibility to and the likely severity of bad outcomes if they do not adopt. That is, the standard models assume that individuals think deliberatively, not automatically. But as chapter one showed, the reverse is actually true. So see that they're saying people think automatically, not deliberately. Uh, so they're they're saying here that people will just automatically either adopt these policies if they assume that they're good uh, without any investigation into that. That's pretty much what that means. So you won't be deliberate about it. You'll just, yeah, you know, everybody else is doing this. I'll do this, too. Well, oh, yeah. You, you know, it's it's good to take, uh, you know, Tylenol when you have a headache. I'll do that, too. I think that, that kind a- of thing. It looks to me like the setup of a false dichotomy between the idea of thinking deliberately and automatically. After all, intuition would be lumped into automatically, which is what they're downing here. Um, So they're downing things that everyone has and should be using more. I'm guessing that their idea of deliberately comes from the idea that someone would deliberate or try to reason out logically what's the best way to go. Um, But you see, these two things are not mutually exclusive. And that's what they're doing here in the way they word it. They're saying, if this, then that. 
like it's computer program. We're not computer programs. We could use our intuition and critically think about what we're doing. They're so also, it's a false dichotomy. They're also overlooking the fact that a lot of people, especially in more rural type nations, have a lot of information that most people don't. Like like the average city person is, a, is freaking clueless about so much shit. But people who are, as we always talk about, closer to nature, they know some things better than a lot of people might. Oh, absolutely. That is true. And uh, like Crow was saying, uh, that is exactly the dichotomy they're trying to set up here. And it is a false dichotomy. Uh, the automatic thinking, the instinctive, uh, you know, just the knowing that something's not right with this, the, that instinct. And, uh, you know, the well-measured steps thinking through logically what the best solution is. These are not mutually exclusive of one another. You could do both. And this is kind of setting it up to be, uh, it's one or the other. And, uh, you know, it, it's not uh, something that's desirable to really think things through logically. So they just want people to instinctively react to things. That's what it's about. It's about trying to program people into that, uh, that very basic uh, <clears throat> reptile brain state where they just right. react to the stimulus. Binary. And think it right. through. Right. Two pulled from the Deccan. The, the yes. evil world we're all entering. But, you know, there's a good example of this. When you meet someone that you've got to do something important and you're trying to assess, is this a good person or is this a bad person? Well, of course, your deliberate brain will try to reason out. But the truth is they might have a perfect haircut, have on nice aftershave, look, look the part, act the part. The only thing that's going to clue you is your intuition. I've done it a million times in my life where everything looks fine, but something ain't right here because I can smell some shit burning in the kitchen. Um, and that's that's what they're downing is the automatic automatical thinking. Um, so, yeah, this is just. All right. What's the line that uh, Frodo says in the Fellowship of the Ring when they first meet Aragorn? He says, so, I, I think an agent of the enemy would look fairer but feel fouler. <laughs> and Strider laughs and says, and I look foul but feel fair. Anyway, imagine someone who considers getting tested for tuberculosis. They know that there's a chance of being infected and that the illness is severe. But at the same time, taking the test would require a leave of absence from work early and stand in a line at a clinic. Studies about how people make decisions about healthcare have consistently found that people tend to consider the benefits and barriers while ignoring susceptibility and severity. Thus, people will often forego preventive medicine because of small obstacles, like having to wear a fucking mask everywhere you go. Look, look what they're telling you right here, Jason. They're telling anyone who cares if we want to do this horrible thing, just put up some small obstacles and yeah. people won't even bother. Well, yeah. and that has happened. There's, there's been a whole bunch of people talking about recently how people won't go for small preventive measures because they don't want to deal with the, anything beer bug related because it's just no matter where you go, it's nonsense. And let me tell you, because I had to deal with it not too long ago, trying to go to a hospital these days is insane. Those people are so brainwashed, at least the ones at the front desk are. Oh, my God. Over the top ridiculousness. Thus, people will often forego preventive medicine because of small obstacles, even when they know that they are highly susceptible and face potentially severe consequences. Individuals frame the problem too narrowly. Inducing people to take more preventative care is difficult, but a deeper understanding of the way people think can help. <laughs> Here we go. Help who? Yeah. <laughs> 
One possibility, for example, is to reduce barriers to the desired behavior by making the exact steps needed for the preventive care more salient or, or by providing a small material incentive. If you get your flu shot, we'll buy you some groceries. Right. It I'll is also possible. Oh, God, that one's great. <laughs> it is also possible to alter the way people weigh the benefits of action by using nudges and other behavioral tools to alter the choice architecture. In addition, it may be possible to change behavior by changing the beliefs a person holds that are not related to the private benefits and costs of a given health measure, including beliefs that others would approve of the behavior, beliefs that others engage in the behavior, and beliefs in one's ability to perform the behavior. Okay which is called self-efficacy, apparently. In addition, people may be more willing to engage in the behavior if they know they will receive support, reinforcement, feedback, or reminders, or as Crow said, a free joint. <laughs> the discussion that follows gives several examples of the first two methods, pre presenting advice in ways that recognize how people make decisions and reducing the barriers to changing behaviors. The second two methods, community level models of behavior and the use of support, reinforcement, and feedback are covered in the upcoming section on follow through and habit formation. All right. So framing information about vaccinations and HIV testing. There is a world of difference between these two statements. If you get the flu vaccine, you will be less likely to get the flu versus if you do not get the flu vaccine, you are more likely to get the flu. <laughs> Even though they contain the same information. Uh no, they don't actually. <laughs> no. That that is that's absolute lie. In a review of 94 studies comparing gain-framed to loss-framed messages, gain-framed messages consistently improved adoption of preventive behaviors such as vaccinations when compared to loss-framed messages with the same objective information. Interestingly, people who hear one or the other of the two messages are equally likely to say that they want to seek preventive care, but people who hear the first message are much more likely to follow through and actually get the vaccine. God help them. In general, the same information can be presented in different ways to improve actual behavior. All right. So they're framing that in the way that if they tell you, if you get the flu vaccine, you will be less likely to get the flu. So if they're telling you, you take this vaccine, you're less likely to have a severe uh, illness if you catch this. That's how they're uh, drawing these people into taking this uh this, um, you know, gene therapy, as it were, uh, it doesn't really qualify in the medical definition as a vaccine per se. But, you know, that's kind of how they're selling it, isn't it? So um, at any rate, you could see uh, they're laying it on the table right here. This is how you get the idiots to line up and take this thing. Roll up your you, sleeve. You tout all the, yep, roll up your sleeve. We have to get more shots in arms. I'm so tired of hearing that. Have you noticed that social uh -huh. engineering tripe going on all over the TV? More shots in arms. More shots in arms. Yeah, no, you're not putting a shot in my arm, buddy. So, uh, you know. Get it. Just, have you guys ever seen a document in your life that uses the word salient as much as it? I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've read the word salient in this. <laughs> it's isn't, only that a, isn't that a word that's actually used in architecture, if I'm not mistaken? Anyhow, I'm just saying. Must they be only use that. Yeah, they only use that in these very robust documents. Exactly. So. <laughs> Crow uh, Sali but... Salient is very robustly displayed here. 
I'm putting two messages in the uh, Skype chat for you whenever you would like to address those. Okay. It's a brave new world at Secret Center. No other place to get the Universal One by Walter Russell that's not 200. And by the way, yeah, go to uh, philosophy.org. That's the actual Walter Russell Museum. And when you contact them, tell them Crow sent you. They may cut you a break. Um, and tell them you'd like a universal one that you can afford. And by the way, you're supporting them directly. Yes, you and are. By the, yeah, and by the way, this Covidius Minimus nonsense did a number on them. As a matter of fact, they just sent me a very valuable book. Very few were printed in the 30s uh, because they had the best year in their existence uh, because Jason and I covered them a couple, two, three times. Matt uh, Presti yeah. is an awesome dude. They're both awesome dudes. Yeah. I forget the other gentleman's name, though. I just remember Matt. Um, Derek, maybe? Dylan? Yeah. It was a D name. Yeah, no, uh, My apologies for forgetting him, but I liked the, the science advisor. I liked him I a can't, lot, too. It's too many people. I can't think it's too late. Oh, yeah. It's too late in the night. We do a lot of I'm, shows, I'm getting bro. old. We do a lot of shows. I did see some dirt in the neighborhood yesterday that was older than me. Oh, really? Did you take a picture? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't want Your dog to probably stomped soul. on it. <laughs> it was it was old enough it didn't want me to steal its soul. Oh my. Uh the, read the one before that as well. Eh. The message in the in the Skype chat. Take a look at that and we'll address that after the next section if you would like oh, to say okay. anything about it. I I see. <clears throat> Chapter I 1 described how raising the number of free test reports from 3 to 4 that a testing agency routinely sent to colleges had the effect of increasing the number of low-income students attending selective colleges. Ah, get your free COVID tests, right? Yep. More generally, many program choices entail a default condition in which people either can choose to do something when asked, which is opting in, or are automatically enrolled but given the choice to withdraw, opt uh, opt out. Uh, yeah, you know what they opt opt in? Every freaking thing with this contractual horseshit that they tie us in from the day we're born. <laughs> well, kind of before we're born. When using a preventive service. It is believed to make all or most people better off, and when, even for those who do not gain from it, the cost is small, then whenever possible it is better to present preventive services on an opt-out basis. The default should be set to the behavior that would make most people better off. Really? Why don't you give people in India clean water then? Healthcare is full of examples of opt-out activities. The doctor takes patients' pulse and temperature without asking them if they think it would be a good idea. For example, surgical consent forms are designed to present the doctor's recommendations as the default, forcing the patient to find an alternative. What is the potential for increasing the number of defaulted behaviors? HIV testing is an area in which a change from opt-in to opt-out has been extensively studied. In 2004, the, well, the World Health Organization initiated a shift in its approach to counseling and testing for HIV by declaring an opt-out approach to be ethically acceptable for certain populations, specifically including people with tuberculosis. Isn't tuberculosis a bacterial infection? I believe so. Am yeah, I, am I'm I pretty mistaken? sure you inhale it, right? Right, right. That's what I'm saying. I know it's a long thing, but I'm saying like that—that that is something that can be quantified. You can put that under a microscope and see. Oh yes, there's some baddies there that, that are not happy with your lungs, as opposed to things that have never been seen, never been isolated, or anything. They're just reacting to uh, to whatever the stimuli that's going on. What do you mean? I've seen cartoons of them everywhere. Yeah, it was on Rick and Morty. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Reviews of programs that compare the opt-in to the opt-out default generally find increased testing rates, but they also find low levels of testing in either program. More often, the reason is that the health services that provide counseling and testing have shortcomings of infrastructure, incentives, or governance. I guess they didn't give them enough weed. In addition, some of the studies find that the increased rate of testing did not result in more detection of HIV AIDS. <laughs> I wonder why. Suggesting that the additional people tested because of the new defaults were from populations that had not been exposed to HIV AIDS. Oh, yeah, that's the reason. They didn't know Magic Johnson. They didn't go partying with uh, Freddie Mercury out and out in the gay bars. Opt-out defaults are likely to increase the use of preventive services when health systems are able to provide them. However, as in the case of HIV-negative patients not opting out of testing, this improvement may occur at the cost of bringing in people for whom these services are less useful. All right. So are you saying uh, COVID testing is useless? <laughs> it's, it's the same basic thing. If you replace HIV testing with COVID testing, you could see the same kind of things going on here. Um, it, people go in and they get this test and they test negative. Is it really useful for them? No. Is it useful for people that test positive? No. It's not. It's not useful at all. It's a, a total loss leader. It's a waste of time and money. Well, they're uh, they're going to test really positive today, is. but m- probably negative tomorrow. Right. And the whole thing is testing positive does not change up the treatment plan at all. So what is the point? There's well, no not, point. But but you see, we've gone so far from logic. Who gives a damn whether some test tells you you're negative or positive, are you sick? Can you function? Do you feel like you're going to die? Isn't that really where the rubber meets the road? So you what they're doing, so. yeah, what they're doing is they're accusing these people of attesting positive and then treating them as if they have some deadly sickness. When the truth is, I know personally probably ten people that got quarantined. They all p- tested positive, and not a single one of them got sick. So. It's we got to switch the way we think. And, you know, this this false dichotomy they laid out where you can either think automatically or deliberatively. You know, this is what we've all fallen for our whole lives. It's simple. Get back to being a damn adult and look through the the nonsense. But who gives it? Who gives a damn what the test says? Are you sick? But this document has been written by people who like to sit around sniffing their own farts, farts out of wine glasses. Doesn't that kind of kill the uh, terroir? (laughs) no but i'm serious though it's like it's like this is exactly what they're talking about stuff that these people would never deal with about things that make no freaking sense like this is you go to be checked out when you're not feeling well you don't bother wasting time and resources when you're freaking fine right and that's that's the whole thing that's been turned on its head with this whole thing oh you you don't you don't feel sick Oh, but you were around somebody that was sick, so you should go get tested. Like, it's stupid on the face of it. It really is. And here's the other thing. There's no point in even testing because it doesn't change the treatment protocol at all. And and that's the thing. I could understand maybe running a test if it would change up the treatment protocol in some way, shape, or form, but it doesn't. Go home and rest. That's that's the treatment protocol, regardless of whether you test positive or negative. That's right. That's it. I just so told you first. Point? Yeah, exactly what the doctor um, told my buddy yesterday who was told he tested positive. Well, here's a crazy idea. If you don't feel well, stay home. Everyone else, 
Go do this whatever is, yeah, you it's, want. It's beyond, it's beyond ridiculous, you know? Back I mean, how, day, how hard is this? Every year, people got the flu. Sometimes you get a flu that makes you wish you were dead for a day. It's pretty severe. You feel horrible, but you get over it. You have some chicken soup. And now the idea of being an adult like that is so far in the rear view. You know, it's funny. I worked a job, and I'm sure a lot of people can relate to this, where they got mad at you if you called off. They couldn't really stop you, obviously, <laughs> if you were sick. But how many places have a boss where, like, you're calling off because you're not feeling one? They're like, damn it! No, come in here. Be a man. Get mad up and get in here. It's like, well, no, I got 103 fever. I think maybe I'll stay home today. But That's now we're the exact opposite. Place. It's like, oh, my God, are you okay? Did you get did, did, you, did you get tested at the door? Did they did they shoot you with a gun to make sure that your temperature was okay? Or, or did they swab your nose? Did they stick it up your butt? <laughs> yeah, man, it's crazy. Even you traveled out of state. So, Did you get tested? Have you guys noticed the uh, the massive push in a few directions? Like, we've seen that we'll give you free joints for the shot. We've seen um, that there's a big push right now for the forced scarcity idea, that there's not enough to go around. And this is on the tail of them announcing that, you know, a billion gazillion are being delivered to each state. Um, it seems to me that that underneath it all, I don't think this is going anywhere near as well as they, they were hoping for in terms of actual needles in arms. No, I, and, uh, it I doesn't appear to be going either. well, I don't think. I could be wrong, but it sure feels that way. There um, are plenty of people get it. Like, for instance, uh, a little bit of personal information here. The uh, group for the, the area where Rose and I live we we both have we'll, we'll check in on the facebook group for the area cuz sometimes it's good just to know what's going on but there was a whole thread about all all the the, the karens in the neighborhood rah rah rahing about oh i can't wait to get the vaccine i got it today when are you going and they were all just like patting each other on the back and i was like oh my god so it, it's hit and miss some people are really really buying this crap and some yeah but that's facebook how the hell do you know that that's even a a real actual resident of your area that's what facebook is for eh. um, you, you'll notice that in this document the world bank references google data <laughs> so you know it's what these yeah. things that's what they're there for but anyhow I, I i gotta punch out for about two minutes here i'll be right back all right well uh, by the way rose to the rescue the name of the science officer from the russell museum who i forgot his name humble apologies to him darren Collum. Yeah, and, I was. Uh, I, when you said Derek, I wanted. Yeah, I knew I was close. Is. I just couldn't remember exactly. Both awesome guys. And by the way, anything Walter Russell, you should go to philosophy.org and feed the source. And by the way, they're marking the hell up out of those books in places like Amazon and other places. And that's a form of censorship when you turn a book into three hundred dollars. Yeah. That you could buy somewhere else for fifty or less. Yeah, exactly. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll yeah. be back. That's on purpose because they don't want you seeing that information. They, it's just like any. It's kind of like gasoline or or gold or oil or diamond, like anything, any of the stuff. It's not scarce. They just don't want you having it, or at least not very easy. They, they, that's how they maintain control is through enforced scarcity through everything in our society. That is how right. it all works, right, Wayne? Absolutely, artificial scarcity. It's all contrived. Uh, it's the same thing going on with this whole vaccine thing right now. They want people to believe there's a scarcity of this. There's they're short of them. Uh, you have to wait, wait your turn, that kind of thing with the vaccine, uh, because this attributes psychologically in people's minds more value to a thing if it's very scarce. 
Uh, it's the same thing with something like uh, when we discussed a couple of weeks ago about the whole idea of Bitcoin. Well, there's a finite number of them, so therefore that attributes value to it somehow. It's the same thing going on here. It's it's all based on artificial scarcity, all of it, all the time. Uh, in the beginning of this whole thing last year, when all the toilet paper disappeared off of the shelves, that was that was awesome. a social engineering experiment, and guess what? It was. We lost. <laughs> yeah, man, because that's what it was. It was an artificial scarcity. It was an enforced artificial scarcity. Uh, there were warehouses of the stuff just sitting there untouched uh, just to kind of create this demand for it. it. It's all contrived, and that's the thing, especially now with this going on, and I think Crow's correct that this whole vaccine campaign that they're looking to to do here is not succeeding as well as they'd hoped uh, because I, I personally know a lot of people that are saying, yeah, man, I'm not taking that. Uh, you know, I, I don't want that. But of course you do see, oh, there are a lot of people out there that are, you know, all about, Oh, I got my shot today. Did you get yours? When are you getting yours? What kind is yours? I see those people all over Facebook all the time too. And uh, you know, it's, it's sad really, but there, there's two basic kinds of people with this stuff, the ones that are easily conditioned to be socially engineered and the ones who kind of have a little bit of knowledge of the methods that they use and are um, a little more savvy as to what's going on with this stuff. And, you know, it's it's sad to say many people really buy it hook, line and sinker because they don't use their cognitive abilities to really think things through logically like these same people. They they sincerely believe that. Uh, wearing masks and social distancing has all but eliminated the flu. But yet, you know, all this COVID going around, that's because of those people that don't wear masks and, you know, don't don't follow these things, these super spreader events and stuff. It's all nonsense. It's ridiculous. Uh, but they've successfully uh, uh, run a campaign to rebrand the flu. They've done a great job. Uh, but that, that's essentially what's been going on here. Um, but... You know, by and large, people are going to uh, believe the things that reinforce their already existing beliefs. And that's a lot of what they leverage on here. They trust in these different institutions for their health. They trust the doctors. They trust the scientists. They trust the white lab coats because these people, boy, they went to school for a long time. They sure are smart. They're way smarter <laughs> than me. They spent a whole ton of money to go to school for eight years for this stuff. Wow. They must know what they're talking about. And they're 47 and still paying off their debts. Right. <laughs> they, <laughs> they must know what they're doing. They must know what they're talking about. I should listen to them without any further investigation because they're experts and I'm just a dummy. I can't pick up a scientific research paper and read through it and understand it. So I should listen to them. And that's the attitude that they have. And, like, it's, it's sad. You can't get through to some people. But, you know, uh, I do see a lot of hope because I do see a lot of people really beginning to see the writing on the wall with this whole thing because you know I, I ask people you know a simple question a lot of times when i see them hey how's your two weeks to flatten the curve going and that kind of shuts them up instantly uh with a lot of different things so it, you know when you see where we're at we're one year almost to the day now one year into this whole thing and uh it it's it's just obscene to think of how they've engineered society the way that they have this past year into capitulating to these ridiculous demands. And uh, it's been a very successful campaign for them, by and large, because they've used the different methods. Uh, 
proposed by Bernays and and others of that ilk. Uh, they know that uh, you know a person is smart, but people are dumb, and you could socially engineer people much more easily than you can a person. So uh, that's the the mentality that they use. That's why they use uh, this model of affecting the public at large. Uh, use the masses in their social engineering because then it also becomes a self-governing type of a uh, a mechanism as well. Uh, or, hey, you're not wearing a mask. You you can't come in here without a mask. That you just watch me. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you, it's it's insane. Just the you know the way people uh, are either 100% bought into this wholeheartedly, or uh, you know the, there's those of us that just know it's absolute nonsense and refuse to capitulate. So, um, and that's that's all done on purpose too, because that creates more division, and that's what they're looking for. Division, divide and conquer. It's it's a simple formula. Divide and conquer. Hegelian control mechanism right there. Control both sides of the argument. Keep people at odds with each other over something of no real importance. And uh, then you can pretty much do what you want. What do you mean you don't put pronouns in your Twitter account? <laughs> it, that, that whole thing. You're is racist! Or is, that, <laughs> yeah, or, or is that sexist? Or is that... Math is Ist or too. phobe. You're you're something. You're not good. You're definitely not good in some way, shape, or form. Maybe all forms. All I know is that plastic po- toy potato has me really upset. <laughs> you know, I was talking to Rose about that today, and I didn't even – that one was just too stupid for me. I didn't even look to see what the crazy SJWs were bitching about. What's, what's it's SJW? insanity. All right. Oops, somebody's asking me a question. Sorry. Could you mention that there are black cheesecloth? Oh, my mic's in the way. Black cheesecloth masks you can buy that is like breathing normal if your job forces it and you just hey, don't hey, feel mask. like fighting. It helped a lot for me. Gotcha. Okay. Black cheesecloth like masks. Got well, it. Got I it. Post- got it. It's called fake. Uh, I posted in the main forum at crow triple seven radio.com. There's a link to fake mask.com. Um, <laughs> and it even goes, it even sells one that blatantly fake, not so blatantly fake. Um, <laughs> what a freaking cool. world we have to live in. Fuck man. Like this is yeah. a thing. When I was a kid watching star Trek in 1987, this is not how I pictured the future. The future is stupid. The f- Let's the, face it. You know, this is the way I see it as a 47-year-old. The world has turned into a bunch of sissies. It's terrible. It really is. The Compared to how it used to be, you know, all the, the hopes we had for the future growing up. I mean, I was lied to by the cartoons and stuff I watched as a kid. Like, where's my flying car, man? Now I got to <laughs> deal with, uh, you know, the potato's gender is a problem. So, the toy potato's gender is a problem. It, like, okay. <laughs> it's gotten so bad that if an inch of snow falls in the state of Rhode Island... They announce it as a blizzard coming beforehand, and they oh shut God. the schools before it happens. Now, when I, I actually, <laughs> when I was living in California, uh, my dad took a sabbatical because he was a college professor, and we came here, and I had to do part of one semester of high school here. There were days when <laughs> I don't know two, two, three feet of snow on the ground, and we're out there waiting for the bus. Um, oh, yeah. And it was no big deal. It was just like, yeah, this is what we do. Wayne, do you remember there was a day, and we had a cool bus driver. Remember, he was the red haired guy. He was actually pretty nice. He was a younger guy. 
I don't Jake. remember his name, but I like I remember his name. Jake. Jake, yeah, that was it. Yeah, but he was actually a pretty cool dude. Like, he wasn't a dickhead asshole like so many bus drivers are. He was just like, yeah, this is a job, whatever. But he um, – I remember there was a day, and I'm almost positive you're two years behind me, but I think this was one of the one of the years where we were together. There was – the snow was so bad, and they made us go anyway, and, and Jake even said, it's like, okay – this might be a little rough and it's going to be an effort to get there. Like there's no way in hell that would happen now. Like, no, I remember him literally plowing through mounds of snow that was piling and piling and piling for, because for whatever reason, they just decided not to cancel that day. And I remember the, the snow just flying from the front of the school bus. Cause it was so bad. That wouldn't even come close to happening now. Like it's the exact opposite mentality. Yeah, it, it is the exact opposite mentality. Uh, I, I think I remember that time, too. It was like two feet of snow or something on the ground. Yeah, it's and like it even like even today I'd be like, yeah, maybe you should cancel that. That's not the best idea. Yeah, but we were supposed to go for whatever reason. I think it might have been like a half a day or something. So they just wanted to get the day in or something like that. I don't remember. Yeah, I don't remember what it was. But, but I, I now, granted, as a teenager, we all hated school and didn't want to go in the first place. But it was one of those common sense kicked in. It's like, hey, this this isn't the best idea. Maybe we shouldn't be in this thing full of children in a blizzard. Yeah, it just didn't seem like a good idea. No seatbelts either. Nobody cared about wussy seatbelts. Do they? Belts. Do they? Ha- yeah, yeah, right. The they, they definitely didn't. You want to see what see, what buses used to look like? Watch Ferris Bueller's Day Off. The, the at the wait, end. Wait a minute. Do school buses have seatbelts now? I have not, no not idea. Not to my knowledge. I was gonna say. Yeah, I haven't seen a school bus, other than the one my buddy Sam, uh, who's the farmer here. He bought an old school bus and converted it into. Um, well, he, he put up lights, grow lights and all the stuff because he's he's a farmer. He grows sprouts. He's a really cool dude. He's a good friend of mine now, actually. Um, he converted the whole thing, like, ripped everything out uh, completely. He got like this white um, marine paint of some kind. I don't remember what it's called, That, but it water seals everything. He did the entire inside of the bus with this stuff and then has shells and everything to grow all his microgreens and all the other stuff that he grows. I was like, wow, that's innovative. That is really cool. And the damn thing still runs on top of it. <laughs> mobile microgreens. It could be. It's not really meant to be mobile, but hypothetically, he's only renting the properties he's at now. So <laughs> He grows sprouts. <laughs> he, Yeah, actually, his uh, his real name isn't Sam Sprouts, but he goes by Sam Sprouts. His name is Sam, but... Uh, it's, it's great that like, that's what he does with it. And I, when I finally saw the finished product, I was like, damn, that's innovative. I'm impressed. But uh, that's actually who my daughter works for now. She works for him two days a week. So get to be friends with your local farmers, folks. I highly recommend it. Okay, let's see where we at in the document here. Prices as a source of meaning. Because the most obvious barrier to adopting new behavior is cost, lowering prices should be the best way to improve adoption. I well, also why would, is cost the behavior? I would also suggest not wasting it's shit. The, it's because of the World Bank that that statement is true. <laughs> <laughs> But prices have many meanings besides a value in exchange. You don't say, World Bank. Prices at or near zero may constitute a special threshold, according to a review by two people you've never heard of. People are willing to adopt many health goods at a price of zero or almost zero, but almost completely unwilling to adopt it at prices just slightly above zero. The study demonstrates this effect for deworming medicine, mosquito nets, water disinfectants and soap by the way those are all things that everyone in the world should have stupid cheap access to i don't care who you are 
the World Bank could put a mosquito net in every hand in this world and not dent one hour of one day's earnings. Are you kidding me? Uh, the, the, the one, one of the clubs would have to give up one cigar each for that to happen. I, I don't even think it would cost one day a, a week. cigar. Just, yeah. one, just one day a week and only once, but still. It appears that prices contain at least two different signals for people. First, low prices make things more affordable, but free means something special. When prices fall towards zero, free may convey a social norm. We all should be doing this. Free allows people to experiment with a product when they are uncertain of its value, and free can have an effective influence. An individual is excited to have won the opportunity to get something free. You know, free is an interesting concept. Some things deserve to be free and paid for by the government. I, I personally feel education's one of them. Uh, medicine is one of them without the need of uh, keeping it by a stranglehold. But um, sometimes when you give something away for free, people also... Interestingly, this is an interesting psychological thing. They don't value it as much as if they had to put hard-earned money to it. But those things shouldn't be crisscrossed, like medicine, medical practices, things like that, should not be intertwined with let's gouge the shit out of somebody. It's almost like they bit their tongue as they wrote this, because every time they wrote the word free, it was italicized. Do you notice that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're like, this is so abhorrent. Like, this hurts. It must be different. Well, that's because somebody is really paying for it when it comes down to it. There ain't nothing in this world that's free. Uh, if it's free, then, uh, you know, there's strings attached to it. And that's why they italicize the word free. Because if it's free, somebody's footing the bill, but it's not necessarily the consumer in this case. So, uh, you know, that uh, kind of is where the World Bank organization steps in and uh, where things like insurance companies step in. Because they'll be the ones that are footing the bill. But, uh, you know, when they foot the bill, they pass that uh, that expense on to the consumer of the product. So uh, if you see that your insurance premiums within the past couple of years have skyrocketed and your uh, deductibles have skyrocketed and your out-of-pocket maximums have skyrocketed, there's a reason for that. That's why. Uh, that's because they're covering the cost of all these free uh, health care items, such as the vaccines. Uh, that's the insurance companies putting the money up for that. But the, don't be um, fooled by that. They're, they're getting their money out of you. They're extorting it one way or another or having it just given to them via government issue. Uh, so the government will go out there and print fiat currency and give it directly to these insurance companies so they could foot the bill for these uh, vaccines and various other medicines that they will give away for free to the people to keep them sick so they come back to buy their products more. Uh, so you, you could see uh, there's, there's a cost to be paid. So uh, free is not really how they're trying to present it here in the uh, the what we could say exoteric type text here that they're giving. The underlying meaning is somebody's foot in the bill for it. Well, they're also saying that if we get them hooked on it for free, they'll pay for it later. Yep. Crow, did you put a link to the uh, cheesecloth chat? I see people asking about it. Uh, hold on, let me go see if I can find it. Did you already drop it? Uh, it's in the main forum. Um, I've been so busy, I haven't been able to keep up. Okay. Well, if you find it, uh, YouTube and D Live, I will drop it in there. We got a little time left, so hopefully Crow can grab it in time. 
<clears throat> households given free mosquito nets may use them differently from the way households that purchase subsidized mosquito nets use them and may be more likely to use them for their children, possibly responding to a social signal in the price. Here's also the difference in that though. More than likely, if you're given something for free, they probably bought something in bulk and for the cheapest ones they could find in comparison to you buying something yourself when you're more likely to buy a higher quality product than the government is handing out. Just saying that, that that's probably the way it goes down a lot of times. Perhaps households adopt new technologies that are free in the short run, and then after they have experienced their value, they become willing to pay positive prices for them later. People are less likely to adopt a free option if they have been asked to reflect carefully on its value in comparison to a positively priced item. This finding suggests that the immediate response to free items is not fully rational. At least in some cases, it is based on an automatic, not a reasoned response. When, th when things are free, however, people may overconsume or waste the product. Positive prices may also help target goods to where they can do the most good. And for curative medicine, the willingness to pay can be high. Now that is an incredibly interesting statement. Curative medicine. Yeah, man, curative. Um, curative medicine. Uh, yeah, people would be willing to pay a high price for curative medicine, wouldn't they? Uh, I think they're trying to apply that uh, standard to their medicines that kind of uh, will treat symptoms but not really cure the overall uh, condition causing the symptoms. So uh, anyway, the, the whole premise there is give these people this thing for free, and once they see the benefit of it, then they would be willing to pay more for it. So at some point, they pull the rug out from under you with this free uh, treatment kind of a plan here. doesn't last forever, and like I said, at some point, you're, you're paying for it one way or the other. Uh, they'll get it. They'll extort the money for this from you one way or the other, uh, which is why in that previous paragraph up there, they had the word free italicized because that's implying that somebody somewhere is paying for it and they will extort the money for that from the consumer in one way, shape or form. It may not be something direct as, OK, well, I'm selling you this vaccine for X amount of dollars. You're going to pay that. That's not how it works exactly. You're paying for the service of the health insurance, and then the health insurance service pays for it. But uh, they do pass the cost on to the consumer, and you can know, you can make no no bones about that whole thing that happens all three throughout uh, the markets of the world. And when you when you have the World Bank Group involved, you better guarantee that somebody at the top of the power chain there at the World Bank. Uh, is looking to turn a profit on the whole condition. So, uh, you know, they're not going to foot the bill for something without receiving back more in return for it. By the way, the link to the fake mask thing is in both YouTube and DLive. Everyone enjoy. Uh, make sure you have a shit-eating grin on your face every time you use it because that's funny. And you can see it. And you can see it. All right, let's see. Where did I leave off? Do, do, do. There we go. You can tell people this is a great new technology. It's it's paper thin. Tell them it's, it's nanotech. It's that, yeah, it's nanotech. People believe anything if you say it's nanotech. It, it, it doesn't have to cover my face. It's got reverse ion technology. You could say it's quantum, too. They believe that whole <laughs> shit just as yeah, well. Quantum, quantum, quantum nanotech. Quantum. It's a quantum nanotech mask. <laughs> Don't you know? This is, this is a quantum virus net. 
<sighs> and what's interesting about that statement? It's all poppycock! The cognitive effect of free or minimal pricing is a new area of research in developing countries, and much will be learned over the coming decade. However, policymakers can already begin to think about how to signal the excitement that is contained in the word free without incurring the costs of offering a zero price. If the good is important to health and has positive externalities, if demand for the good is otherwise low, and if waste is not a large concern, then reducing the price to zero should be considered for the sake of the effective response it can evoke. And they spelled effective wrong. How entertaining. Vaccinations, for example, meet these conditions. Ho, ho, do they now? Ding, ding, ding. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. There it is right there. See, that's the whole point. Uh, this is the experimental phase right now with this whole thing. That's what they're saying. Remember, this was written in 2015, okay? And they're saying the next 10 years uh, will be an important uh, uh, gauge for, for how well this goes. So they're, that's what they're doing with this. They're using this. This is a test to see how many people they could get on the hook with this thing. And, uh, you know, we can see they're giving it away for free. And once again, they italicize the word free in that paragraph, too. Does the next 10 years again, include 2020 and 2021? Maybe. This was written <laughs> in 2015. So, hey, what do you know? All right. Insane. In contrast, if waste is a large concern, prices should be kept above zero and social norms should be invoked to increase demand for the good. The positive prices are a targeting mechanism. They help ensure that the right people are buying the good or service. Coupons, prizes, public celebrations, and media and Tom Hanks can all be used to create or strengthen a social norm or generate an effective response, even if prices are not zero. Well... How about you do that on a case-by-case basis, and those who truly can't afford a thing should be helped out, and those who can should be a little bit of an expectation. How does that sound? Sounds a little logical, but, you know, we can't have logical going on. Common sense to me, but, uh, you know, we're, the only place I ever find common sense is on Crow 777 Radio, right? Pretty much. There's very few bastions of common sense left in this world. He said bastions. He did. I did say bastions. He probably I spelled it bastion. right. Bastion. <laughs> Conditional cash transfers and commitment mechanisms. Oh my, this sounds like now they're trying to give people a, a high interest loan. In some cases, goods and services are free and people still do not use them. Many preventive services, such as antenatal, antenatal, what is that? Antenatal services. Antenatal services, what is that? Uh, that's like uh, for when when you're pregnant. Uh, that's like what I was thinking. Types. Okay, yeah. okay, that's that's what I was thinking. Uh, when they're provided for free but are underutilized, uh, well, yeah, because some people don't want to go to Planned Parenthood. Bill Gates. One well-documented way to increase use is to create conditional cash transfers where, for example, women receive payments for going to the antenatal clinic, but forfeit them if they fail to go. <laughs> That's right. You get paid to go to uh, Planned Parenthood in this state. On the surface, these programs do not appear to use anything but standard economic incentives to improve behavior, but considered more broadly, some incentive programs reveal interesting behaviors. So to tell you what they really think of a lot of people, they just offer a free joint to get you to take the poison. There was a program which, yeah, 
A program uh, that examined in which women received free lentils and plates as an incentive to immunize their children. Uh, a lentil, by the way, is a, uh, a a little legume, right? It's a legume. It's actually the most complete protein that's not meat, I believe. Yeah, they are supposed to be very, very good for you. Are they considered a superfood? I'm actually not sure. Many parents were taking their children to, res to receive at least one vaccination, but were not following through to complete the entire series. That might be because something bad happened. The incentive, right, Wayne? <laughs> Absolutely. The incentive helped increase the rates of full immunization. Yeah, I bet it did. Thus, even when people value services, many parents made sure that their children were partially immunized. <clears throat> Get back up there. Money can help people focus on completing a full course of action. Commitment <laughs> devices can help people follow through on intentions to change behavior. In a case involving smokers in the Philippines, people voluntarily deposited their own money in accounts that would be forfeited if they did not quit smoking. Participating in this experiment did indeed help smokers quit smoking and not resume smoking. Uh, the randomly selected individuals offered this opportunity were 3% more likely to quit as measured one year later. Oh, 3%. Uh, it's not a whole hell of a lot, folks. 11% of people offered the opportunity chose to commit their own funds and 34% of them made good on their intentions. All right. That's that's not a good uh, percentage. Only one third of them actually were able to It's still to make higher than it. most banks offer you for interest rate in your checking account. This is true. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we see right ADR through though. their horse shit, don't we? Yep. Lower than the interest, lower than the APR. Yeah. Asking people why they don't seek care is not useful. Asking people why they forego care that would seem to make them better off is generally not helpful for forming policy. The studies often appear to have great predictive power in that what people say matches what they do. However, this is deceptive because people adapt their beliefs to match their behavior, and thus while the studies tell us that people did choose a certain behavior, they do not tell us why. These studies do a better job of explaining and predicting intentions than actions. Thus, surveys of knowledge, attitudes, and practices fail to identify explicit ways to change behavior. <laughs> you expect people to tell you the truth? Yeah, not only that, it's like uh, what they're saying here is, uh, you know, uh, basically, these people, they, they don't want to do certain things because, well, maybe they had a reason not to, like a legit reason not to. And they don't really want to look at the reasons. They don't care about the reasons. They just want to change the behavior. See, that's the thing. It's not about the reasons because some of the reasons might necessitate them to change up what they're doing or how they're doing it. Like, for instance, if uh, they're trying to get people to take a vaccine, per se, and people do not want to take a vaccine, well... Are they going to ask why? Well, apparently not. That's not important to them. They don't want to know why, because if they were disclosed from the people as to why they didn't want to take the vaccine, they would find out that, first of all, the vaccine may not be safe. It may not be, uh, you know, exactly what they thought it was. And therefore, they would have to take action on the other end and do something themselves. They don't want that. They just want to change the people's behavior to compliance. See? That's the key right there. They don't want to have to put these questions out there because then they might become accountable for these questions at some point. And they don't need that going on. They just want to change your habits. 
and crickets. <laughs> Oops, my bad. I didn't. I didn't know my monologues were that boring, man. My apologies. Sometimes I, I forget I, that I hit the mute I button. I was mute. Yeah, I was too double mute. <laughs> See, a lot of people. Here's why that happens. Just so everybody knows, a little behind the scenes information. I had a lot of people bitching at me that they could hear me breathing because my mic was so good. Even though I'm not like right on top of my mic, I kind of hang off to the side of it. Apparently, it was still sensitive enough to pick it up. So I've developed the habit of, that as soon as I'm done speaking, I hit mute on my mixer. But occasionally that happens where I'm distracted for too long and I forgot that I am, I'm muted and I just go and start reading and nobody can freaking hear me. It's kind of funny, really, if you think about it. So let me start that over, uh, you know, because I read three pages before I realized. Improving follow-through and habit formation. As discussed, sometimes people form intentions to adopt preventive actions, but do not follow through. They intend to change, but before an activity becomes a habit, it is difficult for them to maintain the energy and focus to carry out their good intentions. Fun fact here I learned being a corporate dick sucker, uh, we were always told that it takes 30 days to form a habit so that you could use this as a weapon against your customers. The key to behavioral interventions is to make the long-term benefits of adherence salient in the short term. Individuals often do not need information about distant benefits. They need to experience immediate benefits. A good example of how immediate benefits can help improve adherence is HIV AIDS treatment in Africa. Despite significant additional difficulties in access, education, and information, it was found that baseline adherence to anti-retroviral uh, re -retro oh, anti therapy, or ART, uh, I like ART better, that's easier to say, was much higher among African patients than among patients in developed countries like the United States, primarily because the African patients were sicker when they first received care and therefore felt the benefits of ART more immediately. Well, that makes sense, of course. Adherence is easier when the benefits are salient on a day-to-day -day basement. All right. Using reminders to increase adherence to medical regime regimens. Excuse me. One of the most rapidly expanding tools in healthcare is the use of mobile phones to communicate regularly with populations that were previously difficult to reach. Oh, yes, it's interesting. Has anyone seen the little Microsoft crap that they're doing at schools now where they just do everything by a QR code on the phone? You get shot in the head. They ask you a couple of dipshit questions. You get the approval. My headphones just fell on the ground. Thanks so much. And uh, the little thing pops up on your phone, and then you could go to the next gate and get buzzed in, and you could actually go to school that day. Isn't that lovely? Thanks, Microsoft. One Lovely. of the most rapidly expanding tools in healthcare is the use of mobile phones to communicate regularly with populations that were previously difficult to reach. Got to get those 5G towers up. There has been positive experience in multiple settings with reminders now easily sent through text messaging. In developed countries, there is robust evidence of the effectiveness of using mobile technologies to remind people to attend health appointments. There the, it is. Got to get robust in there. Robust. Well, is that the same word they were using in that one document that we kept laughing? They were using the same stupid <laughs> word over and over and over again. Maybe that, that person read that document. The evidence in developing countries is more mixed, not because the technology is not effective, but because few studies have been carefully evaluated. Systematic reviews of the existing evidence in developing countries recommend implementation and scaling up, but caution that little evidence points to what works best in different situations. They suggest that mobile messages are more likely to be effective when there is follow-up, 
when the message is personally tailored to the recipient, and when the frequency, wording, and content are highly relevant to the patient. Blasting text messages to large portions of the population, reminding them all of the things they can do to improve their health, is likely to be a waste of resources. The messages are not salient or tailored. Indeed, it was found that daily messages about adherence to ART for HIV-AIDS are not effective, but that weekly messages are, suggesting that people are not forgetting to take their medicine, which is taken daily, but rather need a reinforcing message on a less frequent basis. Okay, well, you know. So, there it is. They're using the technology in order to uh, help, uh, you know, implement their programs and, and keep people doing the things they want them to do. Uh, so you can see how it's it's being used as a tool uh, to tailor to each individual as well. And this is where, like, AI comes in and these different algorithms and things. Because they could tailor a custom message specifically to you and blast it across your phone on a semi-regular basis to remind you to do something. Did you get your vaccine today? You know, uh, you know CVS is offering a $25 gift card if you get your vaccine within the next three days. That kind of thing. Um, that that's kind of what they're talking about here. That's what they're going to be uh, doing with this stuff if they haven't already started. Crow, take a look at the uh, message I just put in there for you. I'm going to do the next paragraph while we while we do. Triggering community level responses. Patients are more likely to adopt a new health practice when their experience with the provider has been positive, or if they have positive responses from the community. A good experience with the provider gives patients a sense of immediate satisfaction when they follow through some when they follow through similar to the sense of satisfaction from conforming to community norms <laughs> <laughs> in the latter case community feedback becomes the benefit thus even when there are no immediate benefits to adherence or adoption community reinforcement can be generated by encouraging adoption at the community level that's right everybody wear your masks at the store even though there's no real benefit to it but everybody else is doing it so and the states around me surrounding louisiana have all canceled all that horse crap and the dipshits in louisiana are still doing it for the most part crow do you have a, an answer for that i don't wear a mask no no to the question that's in skype oh hold on i'm brave new world yeah i think rose nailed it um light the Light of Egypt, Volumes 1 and 2. I That's did get a, a book with, with both volumes in it. It's kind of a must because it reframes the way you could think about things, if nothing else. Um, yeah. No, it, didn't we do uh, a couple of years ago, didn't we do a chapter out of that or something like that? That was just very to the point. Like it, mm. it really nailed it. I think we were going to, but I don't know if we did it. I don't remember. Rose, we, Rose we've done over 300 knows. shows now. That's 25 days straight if you want to listen. Actually, it's more than that because some of our episodes go long. Yep, that's true. And that's just from Crow 777 Radio. Wouldn't it be cool to know all, everything we've done everywhere? <sighs> yeah. A lot of hours put in, that's for sure. It's a little overwhelming when I think about it because people ask me all the time, what episode is this? What episode is that? I was like, that's what I've got Rose for. I have no idea. Well, what I do with my, my clock cycles in my brain is writing the next episode or producing the next episode. Well, to be fair, the way that I label things is definitely not helpful to that end, but the point is the way I'm doing it works. 
in the same way it's difficult for us to track down an episode, um, it's hard for them to do censorship. I never put a guest name in the title um, because that's how you draw the lines, and that's what the Internet was built for, tracking. Um, so just so people know why I title the way I do. But it does make it hard. Let me take a look here because we're getting close to two hours here, and I know everybody's tired. Okay, we're yeah, I mean, we might want to just cut down to the conclusion. Right. So let's jump down to the conclusion. I think we covered all the salient points. Yeah, we did. We did. All right. So conclusion. In all their robustness. They were, it was very robust. <laughs> kind of like that wine I was drinking. Italicized. And the cheese, the cheese that I like, it's robust. And the coffee, that's robust too. Understanding that people think automatically, interpret the world based on implicit mental models, and think socially allows policymakers to make major strides in improving health outcomes. Individuals sometimes value information highly, for example, when seeking curative care, but at other times, providing information is not sufficient to get people to change behaviors that undermine health. Framing effects that make social expectations and social approval more salient can sometimes encourage individuals to seek preventive care and adhere to treatment when they otherwise would not, even though the individual benefits exceed the individual costs. Individuals can suffer from an intention-action divide, and so can healthcare providers, and commitment devices and reminders can narrow those divides. Appealing to social expectations and professional standards can lead to significant improvements in the actions of providers. When providers act in the best interests of their patients, their patients are less likely to notice and increase their trust in the advice provided by these same providers, which should lead to further improvements in health outcomes. By the way, World Bank, if you'd like me to read this document out to you in, in my uh, professional manner, uh, I charge $300 an hour. It's, it's a killer deal for you. <laughs> There you go, man. You mean you should thirty thousand dollars an hour? Yeah, how many harumphs could you get from the, <laughs> the board of directors up there? Harumph. <laughs> All right, so that's gonna do that. Um, what do you guys want to talk about to wrap it up here? Well, I think bottom line in this is. Uh, the World Bank has spent a great deal of time to understand human psychology to the point to understand that people think automatically, interpret the world based on implicit mental models, and think socially. And that allows their policymakers to make major strides in improving health outcomes. See, right there in the conclusion. And what they mean by health outcomes is uh, behavior modification. That's what they're talking about. They, they could achieve behavior modification by understanding these very basic tenets of human psychology and they do understand it they've spent a lot of time and money uh, studying it and there's a reason for that because you see it's all about social engineering and you know it's kind of a tell on the face of it that the world bank uh, has a document like this that just completely talks about this whole uh, premise of human psychology and manipulating people in this way. And especially when it, it you know, uh, relates to their health implica implications. So uh, when you know that from the top down, the structure is pushing the whole agenda of vaccinations and this uh, uh, kind of uh, dystopian medical control grid model, uh, you could see that these people have their dirty fingers in all of this 
So this is where it comes from, is World Bank. They're one of the central hubs of power in this world. And, you know, uh, the things that they put out in these types of documents uh, could be very telling. It's, it's a blueprint for those people who are, you know, in, in the positions to implement this stuff. That's what it's there for. Uh, make no bones about that. This is a blueprint for people to follow that are in those positions. So, you know, even though they try to they try to frame it in a way we're we're concerned about the public's health. No, nah, that has nothing to do with it. Well, it also guides their gang, right? It's like if you're a Republican or you're a Democrat, every day somewhere in that party talking points get put out. So everyone in the party knows what they're expected to hold up. Um, not only is it a reverse engineering document, so it could be put to ill will, uh, it lets everybody in these circles know uh, to toe the line and how to toe the line and what the line is. Um, it's salient, isn't it? Very robust, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Crow, are we dropping the episode tonight, or are we going to drop that in the morning? No, I'm going to put it out tonight. All right, everybody. So this this is our uh, our next landmark episode three hundred on how the Roman Empire became the Catholic Church, part one, mind you. This is going to be over four hours worth of stuff. Uh, that the part two will be coming out uh, probably Monday, I assume, right? So that's it for us, uh, Wayne. You want anything you wanna you wanna throw out there? Yeah, man, I just recorded the other day with our buddy Billy Ray Valentine, so he should be putting that out uh, sometime soon, uh, his show, The Infinite Fringe. Uh, so I'll be on there. Uh, he's over on Aftermath Media as well as Iconic, and I think he's still uh, you know, producing shows over with the Hameen radio group too. So he's got a lot going on his plate too. How's he doing? Uh, he's doing well. He's in grad school now, so he's been a busy guy. Yeah. Yeah, good for him. Last I heard, there was some to do, but that seems to be far behind us now. All right, I guess that's going to do it for us tonight. By the way, uh, Rose and the Great Baldini, I'm assuming, are doing the Poppycock Report in the morning. Um, hopefully I'm not putting my foot in my mouth in there because I didn't ask them, but generally it's every Tuesday and Thursday morning, so uh, I know that they've got quite the fan base going for that as well. So that'll be the next thing you hear from us after the uh, the episode drops tonight. So, all right. I, I know we were kind of kind of light and bantered a lot tonight, but I, I you know we need that sometimes, don't we? Maybe it's time we make like a bunch of babies and head out. Well, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> All right, thanks everybody. You're appreciated. Glad to have over 400 people here on YouTube. And how many do we have on D Live? I didn't even look. Let's see what we got in D Live. 100 viewers, it says. Cool, that's great. Over 500 people live. And I know by tomorrow it'll be a couple thousand. So, hey, at least we're reaching some people, right? Oh, by the way, uh, I will be at the Solar Return Festival that our friend Karen B is putting on. I'm going to be playing um, half hour, 45 minutes ish. I'm not entirely certain yet of uh, an acoustic set of my original material. So. You know, let me get the link for that because I don't know it off the top of my head, but I want to give it to everybody in case you're interested and aren't aware of it. Solar Return Festival. But it's on March 27th in Greenville, South Carolina. Here we go. Let me grab the link and give it to you, all you fine folks. If my Google would work. There we go. Okay. That was weird. It's almost like they're watching me or something. But that would never happen. Spooky. <laughs> I 
Spooky action, ladies and gentlemen, just like old Albert said. All right, there is the thing. Uh, I haven't asked Karen to know, to know how many people have actually got tickets so far, but hey, it's going to be just like Flattoberfest, no masks. Uh, it's it's actually, I love this. It's in a Shriners Hall, and guess, guess who is the one group that doesn't have to follow the rules? Uh-huh, that's why we're going back there again. That was great. So anyway, hope to see you there. It'll be a great big hug fest because we're not afraid of no ghosts. All right, everybody. Thanks. Take care.